Hello, and welcome to Designer Discussions. Today, we are going to talk about what makes an interior designer marketable. It's going to be, what are the things that make you special? What are the things that you leave behind in your design process and your projects that make you really stand out? We're going to have Miriam and Jason talk with us about marketing for interior designers. Welcome to the Designer Discussions podcast. Tune in each week where we discuss marketing, branding, PR, and business advice for design professionals. So for me, what actually makes an interior designer marketable is really knowing your audience. So if you reference episode four, where I actually talk about the marketing tips for you, one of the things I emphasize is knowing your audience. Once you know who your audience is, you now know how to develop your message to target them. Because what I see a lot in our own clients is they want to do quantity and not quality. They want to show all of their projects, all the things they worked on, but not all the projects that you work on best representation of you. So when you understand your market, when you understand who your ideal client is, now you can develop the message and all of the marketing that will go along with that. I agree. I actually think that every interior designer is marketable. It's just the decision that they have to take that they want to market themselves. And then it's the process of finding out who they are, establishing their branding. And I know, Maria, you have a lot of experience in this, but I think every interior designer has the the potential to be very marketable. They just have to decide to do it. And the same is true for PR as well. A lot of designers and other professions get confused with what PR is as opposed to marketing. They think they are the exact same thing and they're not. Mm -hmm. So Miriam, from your perspective, can you give it a little light on PR versus marketing? Yes. And actually, oftentimes um, people get confused between PR and advertising because both of those deal with media And actually, in our case, when we're talking about interior designers, both advertising and PR are under the marketing umbrella. So it all works together. But where public relations really is different, actually, when when we're talking about getting press and getting publicity, that's just a small sliver of what public relations is, but it's the one that's the most relevant in the interior design space. And how it's different is that public relations really is there to get you the third party credibility from the media, mostly through earned placement. So you don't go and buy an ad, but you actually build a relationship with the journalist and you provide valuable quality content that they want to feature in their magazine. And that gives you the third-party credibility that you cannot get from marketing or from advertising because it's, sorry, Jason, it's sort of like you're tooting your own horn. You know, that's fine. That's yeah, yeah, yeah. That's really (laughs) all it is. No, that's fine. (laughs) And I was just going to add, so I can explain this to an eight-year-old. Marketing Mm -hmm. is what marketing agencies do to have others know about you. PR is how you maintain a good reputation in the market. Maria, with you actually a designer in the field, how would you say, how have you either marketed yourself or how have you seen other interior designers market themselves and what has worked and what have you seen has not worked? 
So what I would say is that people should spend some time assessing themselves. Like I think that designers probably don't take enough time to focus on their business because they're working so hard in their business. But I, I see a lot of designers that pull back and try to limit their client uh, base to people who are going to execute either the size of budget or the aesthetics that they want. And in doing that, they are actually building their brand. They're doing things to help make them stand out and also to create a more cohesive communication with their client base as to what they're hiring whenever they hire that person to do design for them. Um, I do think that most designers say, I do small commercial business, I do houses, I do whatever. You know, most designers really want to have this broad spectrum of things that they can do because technically we can. We can design someone's professional yoga studio and spa or whatever and knock out a house. But I think it's confusing. And when you confuse, you lose, right? So it's good that your clients want to take you into their business world just as much as they want to take you into their personal house or if you're their business client and you're, they're bringing you into their personal residence, that we just communicate more clearly what it is that we're doing and what it is that we're good at doing and what we enjoy. And I think that finding the time to assess that is really one of the, the biggest things that can help someone to understand how they're marketable and whom they would like to market to. One of the things that you had talked about that resonated with me is you said interior designers spend a lot of time working in their business, but not necessarily on their business. And so from your vantage point, why do you think that is? Our clients are the loudest voices in our heads. Um, they're the ones that are calling and emailing and texting and keeping us very, very busy and preoccupied. And you never get time to stop, pull back and really look at yourself when you're that busy. Um, I have a lot of friends who are like, Maria, I don't know how you have time to paint and create software. Put, now I'm putting together a podcast and I'm like, well, I don't work with as many homeowners. Um, I try to just limit the couple of projects that I work on for them to meet my goal. And I tell people no. And unfortunately, I've had to say no to big projects and builders and architects that I think would have been great relationships for me from a work standpoint. But I now see the value in pulling away from the hourly fee and spending more time figuring out how I make myself more valuable. And I think that's a problem that so many entrepreneurs, solopreneurs, small business owners um, fight and struggle with, including myself, so I can completely relate. Um, but it is definitely crucial that if you want to set yourself up for growth, that you do make the time to work on your business and marketing. It, it should be a big part of that. You should also have a dedicated budget. Um, and I'm talking oh, yes. from the PR side, <laughs> which is supposedly free and it can be very affordable um, if, if you do it the right way, but you should have a dedicated budget in terms of money and time um, to work on your business. That makes sense. Miriam, since you worked at the behemoth that is called Kohler and you were working with designers and now that you're on your own, how would you view 
designers now and how they market themselves when you were working on the corporate side to now where you're working with them individually? I would say the one thing that struck me the most is that I think a lot of interior designers, they underestimate how highly they're regarded, especially from brands that work in the industry. And I think the same is true for the media too. And it's like all the brands and all the media are looking to partner with good designers. So, and, and I feel oftentimes designers are hesitant because they're, they're scared of rejection, you know, and they think they don't have anything to offer and they feel like they're at the mercy of the media or the brand, but really it's not like that. It's, it's, it's a very, it can be, if it's done the right way, both with brand collaborations and, and media, it can be a very synergetic relationship. And that's, that's really what what I'm trying to do in helping interior designers realize that there's nothing to be afraid of. You know, people are actually waiting for you to reach out to them and share what you have to offer. So I think that is a, a big misconception that a lot of interior designers carry around with themselves. Maria, you're doing a lot of videos now as an interior designer and I actually hear this a lot from our own clients. How do you have time? Like you just said, you're now on the podcast and you're also on Clubhouse. So how do you have time to also do video? And what have you seen that's helped you producing the video? Because we were talking offline that one of your videos had over, you could correct me if I'm wrong, I believe over 5,000 views. So how did that happen? What is the secret that you could tell the designers that are listening that may unlock that for them. It is one hour on Fridays for Clubhouse. And I, I do think that um, us putting together this podcast now so that we are saving the content we've been doing um, is, is a game changer. But realistically, we've spent one hour a week on Friday afternoons around lunchtime where we are opening a room. We bring in one expert a week and we really dive into a topic and we learn the shortcuts of how to do it and how to do it right. Like what's the difference between right and wrong? And and honestly, like the difference between right and wrong, it can... you could do the same content, the same recording, the same video. And and if you don't do it correctly by like linking the right things or producing it in the right platform, it could get zero views. But I did an Instagram reel recently. I followed their rules. I used their audio. I used their in-app software to record the video And then I published it and they were like, thank you for doing exactly what we want you to do. And they just sent it out like crazy. And it was immediate. It was like, I have never seen anything like it before to get 5,000 views in one hour. And I have like 940 followers. So this is like some kind of crazy phenomenon. And they're still sending it out every day. It's just knowing, having an opportunity to sit down with some of the people that we've had. Um, We had Kyla Harvey's on for talking to us about Pinterest. And wow, she just created so much more for me and understanding how to do it right. And so I'm not wasting a lot of time doing things incorrectly. 
and I and I really lean into these experts and collaborations and the things that we've been putting together in Clubhouse through designer discussions to transform and change how I work. And I also am enjoying the relationships and the connections that I'm making with other designers that are helping me to understand that I'm doing the right things as well in taking time out of my work schedule to work on my business. And that is one of the emphasis that we have on this podcast is we want to help designers do things the right way and not waste their time. Because I know I've seen a lot of that. There's a lot of information out there and sometimes you don't know who to trust. And so knowing what to do the right way will save you time and money. And one of the things you had talked about, Maria, is when you said you just followed the directions and then it and it worked. I don't know. And I had talked about this also in episode four. Social media, there's a lot of designers we work with. When we look at their profile, they don't even have a complete profile. It's not all the way filled out. They don't have a business profile. They have a personal, but they don't have a business one. When we ask them to do certain things, it's not all the way complete. And Miriam, you deal with designers and a lot of times where they drop the ball is the follow through. And I'm asking about that. But Mm -hmm. a lot of the time, the simplest things in terms of following with directions may seem easy, but it's not. We had a client that came to us for web design because they actually had all of their information on Facebook. But one of their employees did not follow the directions, got their account shut down, and they were offline for six weeks. So following directions is so critical, so critical. Yes, I think that obviously is something that's really crucial in PR because PR really is a a long-term venture. Okay, You cannot come in. I mean, you can come in and say, okay, I'm going to do PR for a month. Okay. And I'm going to get on the cover of Architectural Digest. Yeah, that's not going to (laughs) happen. That's now really don't completely anyway. destroy their dreams. <laughs> <laughs> but it's um I would say you if you show up and you do PR for a month and you put in, I don't know, 40 hours, okay, that's gonna do less for you than committing to doing PR for I would say you have to commit to at least six months. Okay, after six months, if you do it the right way, you're going to see results. And I would guarantee that. But you really only have to commit maybe two hours a week. You know, if you do that consistently, you can see success. But then if you want to keep seeing success, you have to keep doing it. So PR, as is marketing, if you run a real business, it's something that you have to commit consistent time to. And that, that, is a big struggle. You know, it's like you 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 actually don't have to hire a publicist that costs $5,000 a month. That's the number I hear all the time. I mean, you can. It's very easy to find one of those, you know. But there's there's easy ways. I would oh, sorry. Jason, I would say it's it's simple, but it's not easy. It's simple, but it's not easy, right? But there's a simple way to do it. And that's what I teach interior designers, but it does require some level of effort and it does require consistency, right? And that honestly is key because it's like building blocks. You know, you start small and you keep building, building, building. And the longer you build, 
the more success you're going to have. So, and that can be difficult, but if you, if you set yourself up the right way and you find um, a partner or a group that you can have accountability with, like I do in my membership, then that can really help you stay consistent over time. And I think as you start seeing the results, that also makes it easier because you're like, oh my God, this actually works. Who knew? You know, and, and I've, it's so funny when I, when I, have designers and they get their even their first placement. It doesn't even have to be a big one, but it's like it's like Christmas and and your birthday combined. You know, it, it's it you get a lot of um, a lot of happiness hormones. You know, that <laughs> <laughs> I love that. So, Maria, what I want to ask you, and I get asked this a lot by new designers, is how do you market yourself? When you're new to the industry, either you were working at a firm, but now you're going out on your own or you're just in another profession and you just moved over to interior design. How do you make yourself marketable and known when you don't really have the clout, you don't have you don't have the history, you don't have the projects? You don't have to have a finished room to be seen as a really good designer that's providing an excellent service. So put your put yourself in your homeowner's shoes or your business owner's shoes. What do they need? Do they what do they really need? And deeply start to explore what that is. And what they need is they need to understand what the design process looks like. And if you can clearly outline what your design process looks like in either social media or your website, and you can consistently show up providing a good level of service within that area of your your desired expertise, then you will be seen as a good, strong designer that can accomplish, complete, and do something even without good photographs. So say, for example, if I wanted to just work on my own home, I could style and set up corners. I could begin going to artist studios and borrowing artwork for photo shoots. Um, I could have social media content of me meeting with really good artists and showing product that I find is good, plus placing it into spaces and then providing social media contact content for those artists to have for their websites and for their um, social media and all of those little things that can be done that are the design life. And if that can be represented in a way that shows that you're compelling and that you're interested and that you're very, very considerate of the people that you work with and, and the consideration that you're taking and all of the details, then people will see that as part of who you are as a genuine, authentic experience. So maybe you put together room boards or a rendering of a space that you would create for yourself or for your own child or your parents, you know, maybe one of the the issues that you're thinking about right now is like how are you going to how are you going to handle your aging parents residence? What would you do if you were to redesign your childhood home right now to make it a better space for your parents? You can put those ideas together, those finishes, the colors. You can talk about why that project would be so compelling for you. And it doesn't matter if it never gets built or if it never gets done. You are still 
doing the design process and you can still show that and you can still represent it to people in a way that they can understand if you are communicating and producing what they want. And so just because the projects aren't getting completed, I mean, honestly, you could be hired by someone who has a big budget and they're a jerk and they want to put together the ugliest project in the whole entire world and they can make your life miserable every day. And then they can fire you before you've gotten in to photograph this ugly house that you just dedicated the last two years of your life on. And then you're standing there going, what did I do? I have nothing for my portfolio, but you were getting paid for those two years of design work. So it's best to always be putting together projects for yourself on the side. Maybe you do three options for a client and they pick the third option, but you know, one and two are good too. Maybe you just use those up a little bit more and talk about them. Talk about them with your with your audience and just start looking at building your audience through these platforms that we have available to us. But don't be afraid to be a designer um, if you are one. This is this is not a question of if you're a designer and if you're designing things. It's a question of just showing up and presenting yourself and to people to be able to see you, that visibility of you being there. Those are well, all I'm- things that can be done. I love that. Now, I have to ask you about uh, what you just said about the two years with the project. I heard the passion. So is that a story that you have? <laughs> is that Jason, everyone that have? has that story. <laughs> everyone has that story. I built my own personal residence. I had it on the AIA tour and my husband left me with a newborn baby after I had moved into the house after four months. And I had to get all my stuff together, pack up and move out of the house that I had just had photographed, featured on this tour and done all this work. There are no guarantees. There is no one single project that's going to catapult and launch you into a whole new orbital space location of design expertise. It is solely what you do every day. It is the showing up every day. If you if you walk into a showroom and somehow your eye catches the most perfect amount of beauty, the most perfect amount of balance, and you can talk about it, you can explain why that would apply to someone else, and you can explain why you'd be solving someone's problem problem because you have a dog and that dog is causing problems and this is how you handle it for your clients. There there are so many things about being a designer and what we do in design that are not going to apply to the big fancy house only. Um, And you can help people who are building the big fancy house. And in talking to them, you can get them as your clients. I do know designers that don't like to be in homes with dogs because dogs scare them. And so if they get a recommendation, they'll ask, do you have a dog and they'll go, I will put you with a designer that handles dog home issues. And I've, I've worked with people before that asked me about like how to deal with, with window coverings and cats. And I said, I'm sorry, I don't have a cat and I don't help people with window coverings and cats, but I'm sure there's someone out there who has seen this issue and has dealt with it. And it can be as little as that. If you are the person that's providing a solution to a small thing that is hampering a lot of people's problems over and over again, you become an expert. You become the person that people come to and really want to know, you know, how, how can I solve that problem? Like how, how did you fix the coffee bar situation in that space? How did you, you know, add in a wine bar into your own house in an area we didn't even see that that would work. Or how do you set up your mudroom so that your six or seven kids, or maybe you don't have kids, can be organized? Those are all things people really want to know. 
the media exactly, too. And this is exactly why I love having you on this podcast, because you can bring that real world experience and the passion. Anyone that was not watching it live that you're only listening, you couldn't see Maria as she was explaining two years. I could tell. That's why I had to ask the question, because I knew it was an experience she had. So I appreciate that. One last question. What is one tip that you would hand designers to make them more marketable? Mira. It's like I said, I think everybody is marketable, but start marketing yourself. You know, start taking action. That's my one tip. Okay, so my one tip would be figure out what you're really good at. And I'm not talking about that you can make stuff look like what everybody else is putting out there and you can, you know, style something in a way that's very um, appropriate. You kind of need to stand out and always remember we had Johanna on one of our um, podcasts and she said, remember, show, don't tell. And that's what we have to do is through our marketability is that we have to be showing people who we are and what it is that we can accomplish for them. Because interior designers are so valuable and important and such huge assets for people who are working on design projects. We provide so much comfort and safety and security that if you can just understand that that's who you are and show people safety, comfort, and security, you are going to be snatched up so fast. Also tying into that is knowing your audience, really knowing your audience. And, you know, the takeaway from this episode, if you look at the show notes, we'll have a downloadable exercise to help you define who your ideal client is. So that's going to be the takeaway from this episode. So you can define who your ideal client is. Then you'll be able to execute what Maria said, what you bring to the table and what helps you differentiate you from everybody else in the field. Tune in every week. We're going to bring you the information that will help take you to that next level. So we hope to hear you and see you next week. We hope you enjoyed this episode of Designer Discussions. What was your takeaway? Care to share your thoughts and tag Jason, Maria, and Miriam on social media? You can find them on all platforms at designerdiscussions.com. Don't forget to like, subscribe, and leave a review or comment for this episode from wherever you are listening.